This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we finish Ruth with Ruth Waits with Naomi, Take My Right of Redemption, Boaz Redeems, Ruth Bears Obed, and then we head back into the New Testament with Intro to James. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. O Lord, open my lips. And my mouth will declare your praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me.
from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 9. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake, because the plowman should plow in hope, and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting, for if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. This is the word of the Lord. Ecclesiastes says that there is a time to keep silence and a time to speak. And for Paul, the time to keep silent 
about how badly he was treated had long passed. He had done the spade work in Asia Minor and Greece, and on the way he was beaten. He, he, was, he was beaten by robbers. He was lashed in the synagogues and spent jail time. In establishing churches, Paul had done the heavy work, and Peter and the brothers of Jesus were regarded as the superstars. In his spare time, he began writing what would become the second half of our New Testament. He took on the Jews in their synagogues and the Greeks in their forum. He was the preacher to listen to, not the others. His shopping list of complaints is a window into the economic life of the ancient world. People threshed wheat for flour, they picked grapes for wine, and soldiers fought wars. And after the priests sacrificed bovines, their families got to enjoy a good side of beef. Even the brute beef who pulled the millstone around in endless circles got to enjoy the sweet mist that rose up from the crushed bone, crushed grain. Paul got nothing. After Sunday services, there were no dinner invitations. He had to forage for himself. Peter required that, I mean, Jesus required that Peter and the sons of Zebedee had to give up their joint fishing business. Paul had to set up shop to make tents, and so he became the first worker priest, though Jesus did not think that this was a good arrangement. Peter and the Lord's brothers, and we know their names, James, Joseph, Simon, and Jude, were treated as the apostolic blue bloods, as indeed they were. What would be better for the Corinthians, none of whom who had seen the resurrected Lord, to have as a guest in their homes? What would be better than having the apostle who was the first to enter the tomb of Jesus? Gnosticism had denied that Jesus had come in the flesh. What better response was there than having his brothers and their wives, that would be Jesus' sister-in-laws, as guests, as evidences that he was not a ghost. <coughs> Paul picked up his own expenses. There were no expense vouchers. He chose to forgo marriage so he would have more time for the preaching of the gospel. And the congregation took advantage of his self-sacrifice and for all of this, Paul was considered an apostle of the second rank. His sad state of affairs may have been self-imposed. Since he had a sense of guilt, he told them how he dragged the first believers into, in Jerusalem <coughs> to court into prison. And to compound the treachery, he, had, he told them, he set out to, Dem Dume to, <coughs> to Damascus to <coughs> do more of the same. In accord with Ecclesiastes, the time had come, the time, <coughs> the time had come for Jesus to intervene, and so he did, and Paul became an apostle. Paul was not going to set, take his ill treatment sitting down. He reminded them 
that they would not have been Christians without him. They were his workmanship. He was the, the linchpin in their coming to faith, as some of you candidates soon will be for your congregations. He did not know, he did not owe anything to anybody. They were in debt to him, and there was no sign of repayment. The scriptures in our confession say the church is built on the ministry of the missionaries and preachers, among whom are some of you who are now sitting in the pews of this chapel. Paul was the most academically equipped theologian of the apostolic age. He was also an administrator. He got things done. He was a one-person traveling seminary who sent his students <coughs> as pastors and bishops to the churches he established. And their names are recorded in the epistles. Mark, Luke, Timothy, Titus, Silvanus, and that's just a fraction of them. <coughs> the thought that he might have offended the congregation or the apostolic upper class never crossed his mind. He did not back down. Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus the Lord? Are you my workmanship in the Lord? He was not bragging. And neither did he think that he had broken the Eighth Commandment. He was just telling them how things were. And the <coughs> these things were not good. The time for Paul to, come, to get angry had come. And he took advantage of it. With his emotions in overdrive, Paul shifts, shifts into reverse and strips the gears and begins thinking of the unintended consequences of what he said. And he lurches into despair and sorrow and a sense of self-hatred and anger. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. His not being treated with respect was nothing in comparison for no longer being permitted to, <coughs> to preach the gospel. The ministry is not just another vocation, but the ministry is who Paul was, and so it is with us. Contemplating his desertion by God as the sin bearer, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Paul's cry of dereliction was, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Just as the crucifixion <coughs> was the prelude to God raising Jesus from the dead, <coughs> Paul's lament was followed by the most profound exposition of the resurrection ever spoken. For I delivered to you of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. In spite of the misery Paul went through, Paul said and did what God required of him. In reflecting on Paul's ministry, you will see what your ministry will be. After all, there is only one ministry which we all share. The hymn is sung.
In our prayers, we remember Deaconess student Debbie Dijak's sister, Donna Anderson, who is recovering from knee replacement surgery. O oh Lord, keep your family, the church, continually in the true faith, that relying on the hope of your heavenly grace, we may ever be defended by your mighty power. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank and praise you for being with your servant Donna, who has undergone surgery, and for giving to the surgeon and the medical team special skills to attend to her needs. According to your good pleasure, restore her fully to health and strength, that we may rejoice in your gift of healing. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Hear my prayer, O Lord. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you. Hide your face from my sins. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Cast me not away from your presence. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Because your steadfast love is better than life. For you have been my help. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say, Lord, God is great. Save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. This is my plea for grace. Let us pray. I thank you, my heavenly Father. Defend us from all evil and bring us to everlasting life.